So actually, my message today is entitled, Loving the Least of These. I'm sure you're familiar with the scripture that I'm going to read. Actually, I have the wrong verse reference there. It should be Matthew 25, verses 34 through 40. I'm not going to read it all. I'm just going to read, starting with verse 37. It says, And the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And I think I love this scripture. I've always loved this scripture. But I think if we think about it, we realize that what really touches God's heart is touching people. That he was telling people, I don't know you just because you didn't feed the hungry. You didn't clothe those that needed clothes. And so I think that Jesus has this central theme going on that I sent you to heal the world, just like I was sent to heal the world. And he doesn't do it because it's us doing it, but he does it because we just let him fill our hearts and be him to everyone that we meet. And I just want to give you some points that I've learned as a result of my experience being in Africa. And the first point, how we love the least of these is you have to look with your heart and not your eyes. There's a scripture in Mark, chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. It's actually one of the stories of Jesus' miracles. And he's healing a demon-possessed man. This man, when he got off the boat, was all chained and bound, and he was screaming and calling out. But Jesus went to him and touched him. And it says at the end of the story, Jesus is telling this man in Mark chapter 5, verse 19, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. Now, I was reading this verse, and I found it very interesting that it didn't say, Go and tell the world that Jesus healed you and set you free of demon possession, that he gave you your life back, that before you were bound and now you're free. It says, go and tell them that he had compassion on you. See, Jesus had stopped to look at him and say, I know that you're someone who needs set free. I see potential in you. I'm not looking with my eyes, but I'm looking with my heart. And I want to share about a little boy that this happened to me. His name is Julius. He came because the district officials had called us and said, we found this boy, he was lost, he has these problems, we don't know what to do with him, we need you to at least keep him in your orphanage for a night. And so we said, okay, bring him in. So we brought him in, but he did have some mental challenges, and so he was, he kind of, his mind wasn't there sometimes, it was there other times. And so we ended up keeping him because they couldn't find the parents But the administrator called me one day and she said, you need to come right away and see Julius. I think we're going to have to send him back. Uh, The district officials are going to have to take him. There's nothing we can do if you see his behavior. And she told me that he hadn't eaten for three days. So I came to the orphanage to look at him. And as I was watching this boy, he was just thrashing around, kicking, saying words that didn't make sense. And the first part of my heart said, you know what, I don't know. I just don't think we can handle a boy like this. But the second part said, this boy, what future does he have? He's only eight years old and he's acting like this, but he has a hope 
because Jesus can change and set people free. And I said, if I let him go, what hope does he have? But if I love him and we try to find a way to relate to this boy, maybe he'll have a potential. So I started talking to the staff. We tried to get him some medical treatment to intervene a little bit, and then we found a staff person that just kept him in her house for like two weeks and just loved on him, and we kept loving on him. This boy changed. Actually, most of the mental problems subsided. We realized that he had been abused and had a lot of emotional turmoil that caused him to be in this condition. But now, as a result of being loved and the power of Jesus, he is now doing very well, and he's even in school. But I thought if I would have given up on him, where would he be now? The second point that I've learned is seek out those who need mercy. In Luke chapter 6, verse 36, it says, Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. And in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. This verse, the last verse that I just shared, says so much about Jesus. The purpose of his life was not just to come and save but to look for those who needed salvation. Now for us, I think sometimes it's hard for us maybe to see the least of these because it doesn't quite fit that description that we think. But I want to tell you that God can open up and give you a new description for the least of these. Poverty doesn't just mean physical poverty, rags. It may mean desperation and spirit. It may mean hopelessness that you can't see unless you stop to really look in that person's eyes or to touch them or to really be involved in what is their need. I found a little boy. His name is Samuel. This boy has always been close to my heart, starting with just his story. Because the story was that the parents died of AIDS Five children were left alone to raise themselves. The youngest was one and a half. The oldest was 13. They had started to steal food because that was the only way they could get food. They stole a goat. When they stole the goat, the neighbors came in and burnt the house where the children were staying. They narrowly escaped that fire, and this oldest boy, Samuel, had to build them a house. He built them a house. You'll see it. Go to the next picture. There's the house these children were living in for two years before we found them. When we found them, we intervened immediately. We got them. They were very malnourished, especially the youngest child. We had to give them food. We had to give them care. We took them and rented a home for them to stay in, and we started sending them to school. Well, at first, they were very happy to be at school, but Samuel was 15 by this time, and he was in first grade. The children started ridiculing him, making a lot of fun about him. You're stupid. You're old. And so he decided he wanted to abandon school. So I came, and one of my staff people said, Samuel has given up on school. He doesn't want anything to do with us or with school. Now I thought in my heart, how can you go back to a world of suffering when you have seen what you have? And I said, I cannot let this little boy go. So I told the the staff person named Peter, let's get on a motorcycle. We're going to go early in the morning, and I'm going to talk to this boy we had to plan it early in the morning because our children, if they, they know that we're coming and they see us, they'll run. Because if they really don't want us, they don't want us. Their hearts get very hard. So we went there. We woke him up. The house was reeking of urine. You can't imagine the condition he was living in. We woke him up. I started talking to him. 
I was asking him, Samuel, are you sure you don't want to go to school? I started talking to him about the future that God had planned for him, that someone in America had cared enough to sponsor him. Very hard. No change of heart. Just no, no, I don't know. Then I asked him about going to a vocational school. Still, strong no. So I just said, Samuel, you realize that if I leave today, we may never come back. We may never see you again. I'm going to have to contact your sponsor. I'm going to have to tell them that you don't want to be in the program anymore. And he said, yes, you can go. My heart was so broken, I started sobbing and sobbing because I thought, I can't believe he's going to choose this. My staff person patted my shoulder and said, don't cry, it's okay, this is a part of children's ministry. You just have to accept some you'll, you'll gain and some you just have to leave. I got back on the motorcycle and as I was driving back, that song, no matter how long it takes, somehow I'll find a way to get to you, just kept playing in my mind. And I kept asking God, please help me to find a way to get to Samuel. Two months passed, but in those two months' time, every time I woke up in the morning, the first person I thought of was Samuel. And I kept hearing that song. And I kept asking, God, help me find a way. I talked to my son, Brian. He was at that time 15 as well. He's one of the children, the orphans that we brought in. And now he's our child. And I said to him, I think you should go with me to talk to Samuel and tell him about you going to school. So we planned it again early in the morning. We went to find him. When we found him, I started talking to him again. I started talking to him about Samuel. I want you to know that God loves you. And I know that because I couldn't get you out of my mind once I left this place. And if I couldn't get you out of my mind, then God can't get you out of his mind. And I said he has a plan for you and he wants you to have a hope and a future. And I just continued sharing with him. And then my son also shared with him. He completely changed. His heart softened. And he said, I'll go back with you. So he took him back. He lived with us for two months. And then we started him in a vocational school to do construction. He now is going to be able to help us with our construction projects on the children's land. He finished and he's doing very, very well. The picture that you see here is a most recent picture. And he's been such an example to our children. But I want to tell you that it taught me so much about God, about his mercy, about his love, about him really seeking even when we don't want to be sought. Because Samuel didn't want our help. He had reached a point where his heart was hardened. Even in the state that he was in, he didn't realize that, you know what, I need to choose a better path. But God is persistently saying, I am here to tell you that you have a future and you have a hope because of me. And we have to carry that message. We have to look for those that are going to say, who is going to go after and believe in me, no matter what it costs them, and love them, no matter what sacrifice they might have to make. Then another thing that I've learned is that we need to renew our focus. In James chapter 1, verse 27, it says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows and their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This verse summarizes religion for us. And if you break it down... It talks about the orphans and the widows. 
I believe that the reason why it says that is because they're the most vulnerable. I have watched very many children lose their parents. I've seen, I've attended the funerals where an eight-year-old or a seven-year-old is crying, burying their dead mother, the last parent they had alive. And it breaks my heart to realize that vulnerability, having no one now that you is going to stand for you. But the truth is that there are very many vulnerable people. They're not just orphans and widows. There are others that are also vulnerable and need us to love them. And then it also talks about keeping oneself from being polluted by the world. I believe that doesn't just mean falling into evil, but maybe it means that our priorities start to shift according to what the world says is important. Instead of going after what God says is important, When I was flying into the U.S. this time, God kept reminding me of a phrase, what really matters? In your life, what really matters? Are you doing what really matters? Are you chasing after things that don't matter? It goes back to what I talked about in the beginning, that you are on this earth, specifically for someone that God has sent you here to love them. You never know. Maybe you are the only one to unlock the door of despair. You're the only one who has the keys to impact and set someone's life free because God has given them to you. So we need to wake up in the morning and say, who are you asking me to touch today? Who are you bringing into my life to love and to reach for your glory? And then the last point that I want to emphasize is staying close to Jesus. In Micah chapter 6, verse 8, it says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. You may forget us. You may forget Heart for Uganda. You may forget God's care ministries but I pray that you never forget Jesus. Because if you know who Jesus is and you know how he acted when he was on the earth, sometimes I just read through the Gospels again and again and again and I ask myself, how did Jesus live his life when he was on earth? You know, the more time that you spend with someone, the more that you understand them, the more that you know how they act and how they would act in a certain situation, I believe that we need to put ourselves in a position to receive his heart because he wants to give it to you. But you have to put yourself in a position to say that I am willing to carry your heart. And I want to carry your heart. I want people that when they look at me, they don't see me. I pray that prayer all the time that God, when I touch someone, I pray that they will feel Jesus. That even when I walk away, there's something that's changed. Because the truth is, if I give you a hug, it may temporarily soothe you. But if Jesus gives you a hug, you'll be soothed for the rest of your life. You'll have hope. You'll have rebirth. You'll be redeemed. Jesus wants to do that in us. He really does. So I want to pray with you. And I just want to remind you that look for the least of these. They're not just in Africa. Yes, we appreciate what you've done to help us 
with the least of these in Africa, but I'm also encouraging you, help the least of these here in America. So let me just say a prayer, and then I just have one more short picture slide, and then we'll be finished. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for having a heart for us, for loving us in the midst of our confusion, in the midst of our despair, in the midst of our brokenness. And Father, I thank you that you wanted to save us, so you sent your Son. I thank you for all that you have done in our lives. And Father, I just pray that you would open us up to receive you. Lord, I pray for these people. I pray that you would change their hearts, that you would change their eyes, that you would open them up, open their eyes and their ears to see and to hear you, to see where you want to send them, to hear what you want them to do, to know how you want them to love the least of these. I thank you for everything that you are doing. I thank you for the way that they are loving already. And I pray for it to just abound, that it would expand in ways that they could never imagine because they're just making themselves available for you to touch them and then for them to touch others. We bless you. We praise you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.